0: Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 407 of Working for the Weekend, a podcast about the everyday hustle to hopefully, one day, enjoy a weekend. My name is Garrett White, and in today's episode, I'm fortunate enough to sit down with some of my part-time MBA colleagues and discuss our recruiting experiences. I've been waiting to do this one for quite some time, and with graduation upon us for the second years, my colleagues were very candid about how they've managed the stress of a part-time MBA during a pandemic. I really think you'll enjoy this one, but before we do, I ask that you continue to send us your questions to weekendpod.umich.edu. If you haven't done so already, please like and subscribe to the Working for the Weekend podcast. With that, don't waste any more of your time. Let's jump right into today's show. Okay, so we're here today with fellow part-time MBA classmates talking about recruiting virtually. And I think we can just jump into it. So start off with individual introductions. Maybe say our name, what program we're in, and uh, what you're recruited for. If you feel comfortable, say uh, where you will be going upon graduation. I guess with that, I'll start. So my name is Garrett White. Um, WMBA 2, at least for the next week. I think we we graduate a week from tomorrow. So um, not too much time left in the program. I recruited for tech, and consulting, and uh, got a job with Rivian.
1: Hi, my name is Adrian Pereira. I'm part of the online MBA program, uh, part of the inaugural cohort, which started in 2019, and I recruited for consulting.
2: I'm Ariana Leonardi. I am part of the weekend MBA program as well, second year, uh, for the next you know eight days. Um, I recruited for retail and technology, and I landed at Target.
3: Hi, I'm Libby Beck. I'm also part of the online cohort. I'll be graduating in December of this year. I recruited for consulting and leadership development programs, and I'll be going to PwC's healthcare advisory practice in consulting. And
4: I'm Nived. I'm a second year weekend student, similar to Ari and Garrett, and I uh, will be graduating in a week here. Um, I recruited for consultings uh, primarily with a backup if it did not work out kind of plan of tech and general management. Uh, Going to Alex Partners uh,
0: in their auto and industrials practice starting this August full-time in Chicago. All right. So a lot of consulting. I think that's pretty common amongst the the part-time MBA program. I think a lot of us are in the same boat there. So that's that's good to hear. Um, I think the next question that I want to ask, so um, got a little bit of background of what you guys recruited for. I'm curious as to what your career goals were when you started at Ross. Um, Did you always kind of have a a certain thing in mind or uh, did the last year and the the global pandemic maybe change some things?
1: Yeah, so for me, I came into Ross with an open mind. I did not necessarily want to do consulting. Um, I was definitely open to new opportunities. Uh, whether that was growing within the industry I'm currently in, which is the manufacturing industry, or open to something new. Uh, but as and when I started recruiting, um, I learned a lot about consulting, and it, it piqued my interest uh, as soon as I started it. I think the, the two aspects that attracted me to it were the fact that I could solve multiple problems and go into different industries. I didn't have to pick one. Uh, and the fact that I got to meet so many nice people. Uh, while recruiting, so consulting really attracted me after I started here, not necessarily before business school.
2: Yeah, when I um, when I came to Ross, I just knew I wanted a change, uh, change industry, change uh, company, uh, and change everywhere. I mean, I was going from small. I wanted to go big. I wanted, I mean, just pivot in like every essence of of the word. So um, I wasn't. Um, super keen on a specific industry I came in um, not really knowing what I wanted and it actually allowed me to dabble in a couple different things so which actually helped me so I kind of started everyone talks about consulting uh, I started I'm like okay follow the train you know let's just see what that's about So I went into I joined consulting club and quickly realized you know maybe not. Uh, but at least it gave me exposure. I learned what it was about, and i can't you know I was able to cross it off my list on my own rather than never having even pursued it or looked into it. So it was really helpful. plus learning about casing and things actually ended up helping me in recruiting in other industries, so only positive things to say about exploring. You know, I was always interested in retail and specifically e commerce, which is why retail and technology kind of that intersection and I would say that the global pandemic actually just reinforced that for me because e-commerce has, you know, it was already huge and now it's even more necessary. It seemed like online shopping was an option, which now it's more of a necessity. You know, we, almost every major store, you know, they have to have an online presence in order to survive uh, in times like these. So it became even more attractive to me uh, because of the hiring there and the potential for growth and and all of that. So um, definitely kind of pushed me more in that direction.
3: I can really resonate because um, consulting, when I came to Ross, I did not think that consulting was where I was going to end up. But the preparation that went into being part of consulting club and recruiting for consulting, it just can't can't really go wrong because it's so helpful to get the exposure to all kinds of industries and all kinds of business problems. Um, Ironically, uh, I have a background as a nurse, and so I thought that I would either switch functions or um, switch industries. I wanted to get away from the bedside, but I stayed in healthcare. And so um, when I think about how my internship, my summer internship and my follow-on experience matches my essay to get into Roth, it exactly lines up. It's perfect, which I know for many people isn't always the case, but for me, the goals that I set for myself when I came to Ross have absolutely been realized. Um, over, over the experience. The pandemic definitely kind of just solidified the fact for me that healthcare is a good place to stay. So I'm switching kind of functions within healthcare, but there's so much opportunity to make a difference and to continue to build on my past career that I felt like it would be almost a waste of past experience to walk away from that completely. But I love the fact that staying in consulting um, and healthcare together will allow me to kind of broaden my healthcare experience.
2: Yeah, Libby, I mean, it's comical. If you were to read my entrance exam today, like from when I wrote it to where I'm going, I mean, it's, who is this person? I don't know. So it's mine is, <laughs> I'm happy to hear that some people actually follow that because now I feel like, am I a fraud? I mean, I wrote this and it got me into Ross and now I'm going somewhere. I'm totally different direction. So um, I totally empathize with (laughs) what you were saying. And I'm definitely one of those people that Mm -hmm. could not be um, more different, but sorry, go ahead. I just chimed in real quick.
4: (laughs) No, you're good. Uh, For me, it was the classic engineer to consulting path that, you know, I don't know, half of the cohort takes uh, <laughs> in the weekend program. But uh, thinking back, I think I was talking to someone about this in the in the class last week. Um, I'm one of those people who go into a job and then re- if I realize that it's not for me, I think about, okay, what do I do next uh, kind of deal. So I went into oil and gas after undergrad, quickly realized it was not for me, realized I'm going to pivot, go into something, an industry that I like. So when they do automotive Quickly realized, oh, uh, no, not product development. Um, it's getting monotonous. uh, want to pivot. So I started looking around and then realized consulting is somewhere th- where I can diversify. Um, actually, I could I, sh- I could have been talking to you, Garrett, but <laughs> I, I can't remember who it was. But, <laughs> but then I thought, okay, how do I diversify my experience in terms of industries, in terms of functions that I know because I've been siloed into one thing uh, all throughout my career. Uh, necessarily, not necessarily a bad thing for everyone, but for me, I don't think that was where I wanted to go. So I thought that, you know, talking to people, realized that consulting is where I wanted to go at that point. So I came into business school knowing that's where I wanted to recruit. I was very intentional about it. And then I, I think I started recruiting, I mean, putting in the work for consulting, recruiting right from the first month of the program, essentially. It took a while to get there, but then I'm happy it did. To your second question about the pandemic affecting it, I would say it. Really, uh, I guess, help the part-time students a lot. Uh, I'm not sure if the online, like Adrian and Libby, you guys realize that because if if you were not in person before the pandemic, I, I doubt you'd have as much face time as you had uh, with the companies as you did this year. Because in our first year, was when I was recruiting for internships, I would say I was traveling in at least three days a week, two to three days a week to campus from October through December. I don't know how many. If my boss is hearing this, it'll be funny. But uh, <laughs> I, I had multiple dentist appointments. I had early class assignments. I had doctor appointments. Uh, all kinds. I exhausted my PTOs uh, in like November uh, without even taking any days off for the previous time of the year. I'm saying from that switching over to the pandemic recruitment, I think it really helped the timers, and I think. Uh, I don't think it's it's here to stick uh, going forward, but at least it was good for the part-timers in my
2: opinion. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I remember internship recruiting and like you said, going in multiple times a week and having to be really selective too of what you went to because you couldn't go to it all. Even if they were at different times, like you would be on campus every day and sometimes it'd be at 11am and, you know, it was just, it wasn't feasible. And going online or, you know, everything going virtual for recruiting for full-time roles. It was surreal. I mean, you could join any corporate presentation at basically any time, block off like that one hour on your calendar or something and have no commuting or anything. I mean, it was a total game changer. And, um, you know, we, we've talked about pros and cons kind of to each, um, you know, there's benefit to being in person. There's benefit to being remote. Uh, I, Think that you, know, you kind of have to deal with the hand you're dealt. So, whichever one you get, uh, I found a lot of advantages in, in being virtual. Although initially I thought I was being totally gypped. I was like, oh, my charisma like really pops in person. You know, this is this is such a disadvantage. It's like playing basketball with like one hand tied behind your back, and and it ended up being you know um, a lot better than I thought. So, uh, yeah, can agree with you more than but.
1: Yeah, I can actually relate to both of that because I, I remember having a difficult time just choosing between events, even though it was all virtual. I had to be so selective because we were all working full time. And I could have only imagined if I had to drive all the way to Ann Arbor for like a coffee chat, it would have been miserable.
4: The other side of that, though, Adrian, is that I had over uh, one of our first coffee chats and we are going on tangents here, but uh, one of the first coffee chats was with PwC Strategy End uh, on campus. And two of our uh, WMBA's. me and another guy who was commuting from Troy at the time, had coffee chats at the same time in Ann Arbor. It was, if you don't know, the I-94 traffic into Ann Arbor at around 4 p.m. is the worst. And he was having the worst time of his life driving in. He got delayed by 15 minutes his commute and I had to hold up the guy who was supposed to talk to us for 15 minutes. Like he's on the way. And it's what it was downpouring. He he had his blazer all soaked wet walking in. It was a nightmare. But at the same time we formed friendships. So it's, you know, it's frozen cards like Ari said.
0: Definitely. And for the majority of us speaking here, um, we live in the metro Detroit area, right? So it, it definitely has been a convenience for us. I also think, and Libby, you and I discussed this on a podcast uh, earlier in the year, how this has really leveled the playing field to anyone, anyone globally that is in the part-time MBA program, right? You're now, you have the same advantage that someone that lives in Ann Arbor has.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Right now, um, I live in Belgium, in Europe. And I was able to join those presentations, just like was mentioned, and to go through the whole interview process without any hiccups whatsoever. I 100% agree that the pandemic made that happen and accelerated it. But I do think that firms will be more open to interviewing people virtually in the future because they are more accustomed to what it what it means to be at home, you know? So I think that aspect of it will be at least more open to students in the future. But for me, from Belgium, I would wake up, you know, in the middle of the night, get a blazer on, get my makeup done, and interview, but it was still possible. And I still had several great offers. And so it's, it, for me, it was absolutely an incredible opportunity.
0: That's awesome.
1: And with consulting, the one thing that I have to mention is I was always worried about my handwriting if I were in person. Uh, I was always worried about if I get nervous and I start writing fast, it's not going to be legible. (laughs) And what am I going to do? And the pandemic saved me because I didn't have to show (laughs) my notes to the interviewer or anything (laughs) like that, which is, which was a big blessing. Oh,
0: That's great. Um, Yeah. So, I I mean, this is a bit of a tangent, but I think this is great, right? Like this is, this is what the past year has been for us. And that kind of leads me into the next question that I wanted to ask, Um, just going through, if we could, talk about our recruiting experience. And and obviously it wasn't what you expected, but if you could just, uh, everyone just talk about where they interviewed, what they liked, what kind of stood out, and maybe if if one particular employer did a really good job or a really creative job.
1: Uh, So for me, I interviewed at uh, PwC and EY. And I think for me, uh, overall, the consulting experience was really good. I think the consulting, interviewing, just the recruiting Experience for me started off with the connections. I think the connections were really good. I think I had I had some good connections with Pwcey, but even with the other firms, I think I learned a lot just talking to people. It was it was a different learning experience. Um, but I think for me, what I did not expect um, with the interview with the with the whole recruiting experience was how much time I would have to I would have to devote to it. I think it was a shock in the beginning because I sort of thought, okay, you know, we can manage it with the workload, classes, work, uh, recruiting. It's not going to be that bad. But then as we got deep into it, it was a shock uh, for me and I had to adjust accordingly. Um, Where, again, you know, the whole discussion about the pandemic and how that affected it was really helpful because I could jump from one thing to the other without having to travel. I could go from one laptop to the other in a matter of five minutes. Um, So it taught me a lot in terms of discipline, but it also helped. Um, In terms of experiences with particular firms, um, I think most of the companies that I spoke to were very cordial and very nice, but I do have to call out PwC. I think PwC, the experiences I had there were really good. I don't know if that had to do with the fact that most people I spoke to were Ross alum. So I think they had some sort of a connection. Uh, but what, what was even better was the partner that I spoke to uh, during my final round happened to be from the same university. Like He did his undergrad from the same university I did my master's in engineering, which is very rare because it's a very small town. You already have, have the job, Adrian. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought. <laughs> that's what I thought. We're really cool thinking, though. Um, but that's what I thought. And it, But overall, it was it was a great experience. But PwC overall. I think the people and just the conversations I had with them were very different uh, compared to some of the other firms, just in general. But Nived, I I really wish, I'm hopeful that that's what happens in the future too, but I wish.
2: Uh, For me, I interviewed for uh, Target's Leadership Development Rotational Program uh, for Finance and Business Planning, and I also interviewed for the RLDP, Retail Leadership Development Program at Amazon. Uh, and ended up getting offers from both, uh, which was nice. Um, The experience was, it it was insane. I mean, it was so intense. And I was one of those people that I I put off like writing my odyssey and things like that. I mean, you're told do it, don't put it off. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to it. Or maybe I don't really need it, you know? And then it got closer and I'm like, no, I, I probably need this, especially when I'm doing mock interviews with friends and stuff. And I tripping over the beginning of of who i am and you know and so i remember having my odyssey pulled up on my screen um next to the interviewer so that i made sure to hit um the the points that i really wanted to hit which was a huge advantage because we would have had to memorize it had we been in person and you know if you miss something You know, if you want to have it printed out somewhere or something, go for it. But, you know, it it maybe looks less authentic. So to have it actually kind of written and be able to take that that pressure off so you can make sure that you hit all your topics was huge. Um, I remember my second round interview for Target and Amazon, coincidentally, was scheduled for the same day. Uh, so I had like eight hours, one was in the morning and one was in the afternoon of just straight, just cruising um, that day. And it was, you know, Adrian, to your point, it was so much more work than I thought. Um, the The prep was so much more than I thought. I've never prepped so much for an interview before. I mean, you always research the company and things like that. But um, one thing that I can't stress enough and that was huge for me in my interviewing process was doing mock interviews and doing, you know, even student mock interviews and, and you can sign up for them through like the CDO and stuff. And I would research um, all of the interviewers and see, okay, did anyone, you know, does anyone have an interest in e-commerce? Did anyone happen to work for Target or do an internship at Target or, um, or Amazon? Is that anyone going to Amazon or a huge, you know, recruiter? There, there's got to be somebody. And finding someone who had an internship at Amazon and doing my Amazon mock interview with that person because they know what to look for. Uh, so that was really huge, and um, you know, I think was one of the the biggest like con- contributing factors to um, to me getting offers was that um, special things. I have to call out Target was really great when it came to interviewing. Uh, on the interview days, they bought us lunch. They like did just certain like things that were really nice and added kind of a. a human element or special touch or something like that to, to the whole interview process because it can feel very structured and almost like you're an applicant and they have so many of them and you know you're just one of, of so many so they kind of they did special things to make you feel like you were unique so uh, I can really appreciate that so I would say my experience was was great uh, it was just yeah more than I thought and um, it definitely got priority over school I mean that school was still top priority. It was number two and then probably job was number three. but um, recruiting definitely took priority over everything because you knew it was so temporary and it had such a short lifespan that it wasn't worth postponing for an assignment that maybe you had more time or was worth less than your career, you know moving forward. So um, it was actually quite easy for me to make that decision what got priority because you have to think long term rather than you know what grade you're gonna get maybe so. Not promoting, not doing homework, but long it's the the long game, right? Not the short game.
0: It's not the most important part of the MBA.
3: Yeah. (laughs) So I think that that's one of the things that surprised me about the recruiting experience was how much companies were really interested in the fit because the Ross brand carries so much weight that they just assumed that I had the requisite skills for the job. I remember interviewing with um, a well-known medical device company. And for a marketing position, I have no background in marketing whatsoever. And they asked me what I would do in certain situations and I gave them some kind of not fantastic answers, but they really spent a lot of time getting to know me. And that was more important to them than the skills from my past that I was bringing to the table because they knew that I had gotten what I would need to succeed from Ross. It was really fascinating how many companies cared whether I would be a good fit at their company or not. and kind of along those lines, I interviewed with Davida and was grateful to receive an offer from them, even though I didn't end up taking it. And they had just a phenomenal recruiting process. They were always ahead of schedule in communication. They were always transparent in communication on like where I stood with other candidates. They gave great structured feedback on how I could improve. And then the next round, from beginning to end, I was just blown away with how professional and how well thought out their recruiting process was to really help people shine. I was so impressed by Davida. Right.
4: My recruiting journey is twofold. I interviewed in the first year and in the second year was not successful in the first year. I had countless sleepless nights. Uh, I mean... In the podcast, you cannot see my gray hair, but uh, 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 I was a young, budding professional two years ago. No, I'm not. But when I was trying to get it... It's
2: there. It's there. I can tell you that the gray yes. hair is there.
4: <laughs> <I'm> sorry. But, <laughs> but I interviewed this year with uh, uh, Alex Partners, the firm that I'm going to, McKinsey and Company and uh, Brunswick. Uh, which is uh, a boat manufacturer and based out of Chicago. I think everyone was trying to adapt when you know August hit or September hit as to how to interview because no one really knew this. I think consulting firms had an advantage, if you will, because at least some of them had done virtual interviewing before. So they had a kind of an upper upper hand in that. Um, but I would say overall, everyone adapted pretty well. I didn't feel that the the whole process was not fitting in um, or was not catered to be interviewed online. I mean, they changed their casing process for consulting. You didn't have to show them your work, things like that. It changed the kind of cases so that you didn't have a lot of math to solve, things like that. But if I were to give my experience overall, I think I cannot speak highly enough of the McKinsey process because they would give you feedback right away. I, and even if I didn't get the offer, but I got the call within three hours after my interview so that I didn't have to like sweat about it. You know, after my final interview, I got the call in three hours and said, you're not getting it. Okay, cool. And they told me why. And that's all, that's often a piece that companies forget about giving you feedback. And I was, I was happy about that. The other one, because we are talking about things that people don't really well, <laughs> uh, Brunswick did send me a $30 Uber Eats coupon, which was great. I had sushi takeout for lunch during interviews and cannot highly recommend that enough.
2: Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. That's what Target did was like, here's a Grubhub or Uber Eats or something and order yourself something for the the lunch. And then I had like a lunch date, basically. It wasn't an interview, but it was, you're having lunch. Of course, no one eats because you're just like, I'll just eat after, but um (laughs) you kind of have this, this lunch one-on-one with, with your,
4: um, meal. So why did I not get a date? I needed
2: it. Oh, you had to eat alone.
4: I mean, there were like fifty people. It was not one-on-one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, so I never received any Uber Eats coupons, but I will say that similar to Nived, um, I also interviewed first year for consulting positions and Uh, and struck out, unfortunately. Um, Alex Partners, like you mentioned, Nevette, did give some really good feedback. So I was actually really happy with how that experience uh, went and ultimately ended up landing the position that I have now with Rivian. I will say, Nevette, I I think you're being a little too modest. This past year, you also became the head of career development for the part-time MBA program and the the part-time MBA consulting club rep. So I I think you're also responsible for just about Every single person who recruited for consulting, connecting them with a recruiter within these organizations. The master puppet master connecting everyone between uh, all these organizations. So, just wanted to give you a little bit of a shout out there because I know you put me in touch with so many people.
4: I was being modest because I knew you were going to say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, okay, so the next thing I wanted to talk about, and I think we already touched on this uh, a little bit, but. Um, I'm curious as to how everyone here prioritized their workload um, in the past year. So maybe um, with working from home, everything seems to blend together with um, working and classes and recruiting. And I'm just curious uh, any tactics that anyone had of how to handle that.
1: Uh, for me, the experience was a little different because I wasn't working from home even during the pandemic. I think I worked from home for two weeks in uh, during the whole year of 2020. So there was an added challenge um, there. But for me, I think prioritizing workload was just a lot of long nights, a lot of all-nighters, uh, just having to put in the extra hours. But as a, that's something that helped me was the fact that I have never, ever used like a calendar or a planner before. I actually had to use one. I, I, I was forced to start prioritizing my work to the point where I even started prioritizing like my unwind time. Like I would actually schedule... Like 8.15 to 8.30, you're going to take a break. You're going to do this. Um, Because there were just so many things I was juggling with with work and classes and recruiting and chats and case interviews and behavioral interviews and things like that, that I would just lose track so easily um, that I had to start using a planner, which really helped me a lot because I wasn't used to it, like I mentioned before. Um, So getting used to that was um, a bit of a process, but that helped me. Uh, sort of keep things in order, at least. Um, And in terms of prioritizing, I think what Ariana said earlier was I think a few things take a step back, Uh, just go down to number two, which also helped me because traditionally I've been that kind of student where I've always wanted the excellent, right? I've always wanted to go for the excellent and even losing like a point here or there would, would really trouble me. And I had to make a conscious decision to take a step back and say, it's okay, I've got to prioritize this for the next few months and it's okay uh, for homework or whatever to take a step back. And and the reason I bring that up is because it's not always easy for everybody. I had to literally talk myself into it and be okay with it, uh, which for, uh, for someone like me was very difficult. So I think that also helped me get into the right mind frame of prioritizing what was important and what was not. And lastly, I will say this, Setting expectations, and this is something I didn't realize almost until like midway through uh, through consulting recruiting, is actually setting expectations with your family and your loved ones, uh, because there were so many times that I, you know, I just didn't have time to do personal chores. I didn't have time to talk to my parents, or you know, I I couldn't talk to friends. I couldn't go out, and many a times that's considered rude, and they don't understand why it is, but you just don't have the time. And I thought that looking back, if I'd actually set some of those expectations earlier on, I'm not sure if it would have helped because they're still going to feel bad if you don't talk to them. Uh, but at least it will help at least a little bit uh, setting those expectations. I think that's something I would have done differently um, if I were to do it again.
2: Yeah, Adrian, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I went through a huge um, mentality shift come the fall or even August when we first started. I entered the program really fixated on I want to maximize this MBA. I want to maximize every single thing I learned. I want to master it because when I leave, you know, I want to get my money's worth. I want to make sure that like I have all this knowledge. And um, so I was going for goods and excellence and I wanted all of that. And and then starting in the fall, realizing, you know, the fall during recruiting, it just wasn't possible to stay on top of work. Put in as much effort and time into getting an excellent and also recruiting at multiple places and interview prep and, you know, getting all your cover letters and and all the networking that comes with it too, and all of the corporate presentations and coffee chats. And it was just, there wasn't enough time in the day and you could pull in. And so, anyway, I went through this whole like mentality shift where it, I had to start thinking about, okay, when I leave with my MBA and I'm done at Ross am I going to show like, oh, I got all excellence. Like I have, I don't know what I'm going to do for a career and I don't have a job, but like I got all excellence or am I going to be able to say, yeah, I got good grades. You know, I got good ish grades. Um, but I also have this like bomb ass offer that I'm going to go start my career and have, you know, be in my, the role I finally want to be in. And I had to ask myself this question and it, it, sounds really obvious, right? But it's a gamble because you don't know what you're going to get with recruiting. So you don't know if you're going to have something to show for it. And you hope so, but uh, it's 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 a gamble. So you think, well, maybe grades are a more, um, you know, getting good grades and getting those excellence. It's more guaranteed. You can put in the work and get those versus recruiting. You know, sometimes it's just the cards that you're, you're dealt. So um, totally get that. Um, it was almost painful at the beginning uh, to, to kind of check out and, and prioritize recruiting. But I think if you're looking at it in the long term, that's really what you're getting out of Ross. You know, it's not the grades. It is the education. It's not the grades though. And, and grades don't directly correlate to the value that you get out of it. Uh, it really is the, the networking. It is those career opportunities and, and all of that, which I have found that on campus, I was given better opportunities than I was off-campus, so it really made sense for me to optimize it as much as I could while we were doing on-campus recruiting, so.
0: Yeah, Ariana, if I could just jump in and say, so we, we do not receive a GPA as part of the MBA program, so I think Ross knows that and expects that uh, we prioritize things based off networking for our future. Yeah, Com- so completely agree.
2: And I think it's built by design. I mean, that's intentional, right? Exactly. Right? To to not kind of fixate on that and um, kind of do what you got to do. So
4: coming into the MBA program, initially we were told, you know, uh, at least a few of the few of the alumni now told me grades don't matter, and I was like, uh, are you really uh, saying that? And because I've been to engineering schools only before. And then looking back, uh, you had to have a good GPA to get a job at the time. And then our managing director of the program comes in and says, hey, really, the university doesn't divulge grades. That is great non-disclosure. Then I started to think about it. Do I really care? I don't think so. And then I started to think about what I need to prioritize, right? That's the term that you used. Everyone needs to prioritize. And I I mean, I was lucky slash unlucky that I did not have a significant other at the start of the program. Still don't. Uh, but, but, but uh, so I didn't, you know, I didn't have to worry about personal chores. I could I could keep my apartment dirty. It's only Garrett who's going to sleep over the weekend when class are over. and He doesn't care. Uh, so, uh, so I, I really did think, think only about recruiting from day one. Uh, everyone says one, two, three. I only had one and then work and grades really took the lowest priority that I could think of. I learned in class. I would participate in class. We were all in the same class. Ari and Garrett. I would do what interested me, and that's it. If if microeconomics interested me, I'm going to study it. But marketing, if I don't, if I'm not enjoying it, why would I put in my effort? Instead, I would focus on doing a case interview. Right. That's what that's what my take was. It's not for everyone to do. You know, everyone can do what they want. That was my priority. Uh, And what what my biggest takeaway from two years is grades really don't matter, in my opinion. Changes from person to person, uh, but that's my take. Now, the other question was about uh, relying on people. And I think during recruiting, uh, the other thing that really stood out to me during prioritization was after classes or in between classes, really relying on the peers, forming that relationship, building on this connection really because after, after recruiting, I think the, network, you know, quote-unquote networking piece is really important because a lot of the jobs that got handed over in our program came through other peers inside the program who got others in touch with, you know, people and companies leading to interviews, leading to jobs, right? So those were my
0: two priorities um, over the last two years. Yeah, that, that's it, Navad. While grades don't matter, how... Um how you present yourself and, and your perception amongst your peer group does, right? So you may not necessarily care about getting a good grade on a project, but you are working with a team on that project and you want to pull your own weight so that you're known as like a hard worker so that when it comes down the line uh, and you're recruiting for a position, maybe someone on your team from your first semester has an in at that company and connect you to that person. They know, uh, hey, I worked with Naved and our very first group project. I know how hard he works, I know how smart he is, you know, and these are all exaggerations, of course, in the bed, but <laughs> you want to build a good reputation so that uh your peer group is really the the key takeaway from the MBA, right? It's not a particular grade, it's 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 the the relationships that you build.
4: Yeah, I and I want to add that to a sense, uh just because you know I I was really I guess controversial in saying grades don't matter and still don't matter, but what I was trying to say is uh MBA is about teamwork. At least at Ross, you get put into teams and you really want to showcase that you care about other team members because now all five of you may not be thinking about grades the same way. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to, you don't want to keep your teammates wanting for more from you. You want to do pull your weight. I don't know if I did, but at least I tried over the last six terms. Uh, And the other side is um, when I say grades don't matter, learning does matter. So if you, if you want to learn things, you want to put in the effort and because understanding business basics is important to get a job after your MBA. Um, you want to put in the effort to learn those basics as well. Definitely.
2: Yeah. If I can comment on using your peers, I in a good way, using them in a good way. Um, I My first year, um, I had a dinner on Friday, a lunch on Saturday, an after class, you know, drink at Dom's or the bar, garage bar. I mean, I had all of these networking things constantly. I was always meeting with a second year student or, or with someone in my class, like just to try to network a bit more. Um, so even before recruiting even happened, I was looking to switch gears. I'm like, why wait? Why wait till on-campus recruiting if I can get something awesome sooner? So I had, you know, I've never used Google Calendar more. And Adrian, you mentioned getting a calendar um, this for you know, recently. And I always had a calendar and I would write things down and then like I wouldn't open it and I'd forget I wrote something down. Everything is in my Google calendar. I mean, even now to the point where I'm going to have lunch with my mom and I send her a calendar invite for lunch. I mean, it is like everything is mapped out and gets a calendar invite. So uh phone call with my girlfriends. I mean, it's just that way it just keeps you on top of it. But um I always had a coffee chat with a peer or a dinner with a peer, and I was just leveraging those resources. And I, you know, that's actually why I ended up transitioning in the middle of the program. And I joined StockX, and it was because a classmate of ours worked at StockX, and it was an e-commerce company. And, and it was, you know, it fit what I was looking for, and I was able to make that move. And, you know, it doesn't mean to be someone in a different class or a different grade or a different, you know, it can be someone in your same team or your same cohort um, that can help you. So showing that you're hardworking, so they'll vouch for you when you are asking for that connection is huge um, and, and really helped me during you know, the program and, and my career shifts. So that was really huge for me. You're always on when you're on campus, in class, working with your team, and whether you're virtual or not, and you always need to be on. So
0: that's one piece of advice. Nicely put. Thank you again to our excellent guests, Adrian, Ariana, Libby, and Nived. To our listeners, I hope they continue to stay in good health and look out for our next episode, in which you'll hear from the entire Working from the Weekend crew as we wrap up season four. If you have any specific questions, send them our way at weekendpod at umich.edu. Working for the Weekend is brought to you by the University of Michigan Raw School of Business. The host and producer for this episode was me, Garrett White. Executive Producers are Bob Needham and Suresh Kanakori. Jonah Brockman did the editing on today's episode. Thanks again to all of our guests, and thank you for listening. See you next time on Working for the Weekend. Are you ready?